there and welcome to Golf Lovers United, where we discuss golf the fair way. Coming up today, I answer a couple of questions about whether or not the live presence was felt over at the Ryder Cup. And Ben and Jade discuss that OWGR decision, plus speculate upon who may or may not join live for the following season. It's an in-depth episode and we even include a Resident Evil quote, which for geeks like us, it's the dream. <laughs> if you enjoy the podcast, do let us know over on Twitter at GLU Golf Club and tell your friends that they can listen in their podcast app of choice. Now, Ben, I know you want to talk a little bit about the Ryder Cup following on from our last episode. What's on your mind, my friend? You were at the Ryder Cup. Was there much talk about live or live players or the future live when you were there? Were the fans talking about it? I wouldn't say that it was everywhere, but what I would say is that obviously Brooks, and there was a lot of chatter about Brooks, um, especially I think like around the bars and around around the drinking because Brooks is, I don't want this to sound like it might sound or come across like it's like it's potentially going to come across but when you when you're having a few beers you know Brooks seems like uh he's a guy you know he's a guy's guy he's he's the kind of guy that guys like to talk about because you know he's he's says what he thinks he's uh he's got some guts he's he's very outspoken but he's also you know he feels like he's one of us whether I don't know the guy but he seems like that you know you could probably have a decent chat with him so there's a little bit of chatter around that um what I will say is there was a lot of chat around the party atmosphere of, like we mentioned on the last episode, of sort of the fan village, the the DJ sets, the bands like Tom Grennan and so on. So I think it was it was much less about the players and the chat about you know what's what's going on with Live. Is anyone going to go to Live? You know, should more Live players be here? Blah blah blah. I didn't hear lots of that, but it was very much about okay, what does it mean? For the fans, which I think is fantastic because the event was very, very much a, a party vibe, certainly in the fan village. Um, but there was also, I suppose there was also that that angle of the youth, you know, what's going to happen with Aberg? Is he, is he, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we know he's, he's on the PGA Tour, he's on the DP Tour, he's, he's staying there as far as we know for now. But there was a little bit of chatter among some pockets around some of the youngsters, you know, what are the next generation going to do? So that was quite interesting. Yeah, well, that's why we're called the the golf dad because that's a very fatherly parental response. So uh, that's really good insight. And obviously, the Ryder Cup is is, is a hotbed for gossip or not for gossip, and uh, it's interesting to hear that. Are you bothered by the team names, Mark? Is that something that you've got a young one and you know, and you obviously your future, your history in in broadcasting and podcasting and branding? Do you think the team names? really matter or is it more about those team members all right you guys might not like this but i do think some of them come across really cheap um and i know that sounds bizarre so let me let me let me kind of frame this i think there's a there's a discussion around whether live is a premium product or not and we talked about that you know and, and I, I asked the question is it really a premium product and you and you know you ben in particular was was staunchly saying well of course it is. it's a premium product and it might be it might be but i don't think the team names lend themselves to, to that premium feel not all of them i think some of them are fine but 
Um, an example that I'll sort of equate to this one is so up in, up in the, the place where I live, there's a there's a, a new wine bar that opened. Lovely little place, but the name is is shocking. It's cheap. It feels chintzy. So the, it doesn't match the brand and the feel of what they're trying to parlay with the place, you know. So you go in there, you might be paying six quid for a drink, for a pint, but I don't mind that. But you're paying that in London at a high class place. If you walk into a village in the north of England with a, in a into a bar that's got a pretty chintzy cheap name, it doesn't map, it doesn't equate. And you're right, it's the brand that's a little bit off. So, you know, let's just go through them. So four aces, yeah, all right, I'm okay with that. Then cliques, eh. I get it, you know, to grasp, to seize, whatever, unless I've missed some other meaning there, but it just, nah, I just, that doesn't feel, it doesn't feel premium. Let me put it that way. Crushers, mm, I'm on the fence with this one. It's sort of a little bit, it's a bit too bro. It's a bit too bro for my liking. It's a bit too hustle bro. Fireballs, eh, all right, average, I get. High flyers, eh, okay. Ironheads, okay, I get that. Majestics, Eh, eh. range goats again I get it I get what they're trying to do but that's awful I think that's terrible Ripper Smash not too you know they're okay Stinger okay Talk Average so actually just having gone through those there are are a couple there that stand out to me as cheap feeling the rest of them I'm sort of just alright with I'm just on the fence with I think they could have been a bit more premium a bit more high class but then, you know, I might just be a pretentious dick and I'm sure that people in the reviews will tell me if I am. So, yeah, I don't know. I've got, I've got a weird, like my background is branding, marketing and um, positioning for, for product and for, for companies and for, 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 for brands of all sizes. And I, I always just feel it's easy to make something that's super classy feel more fun than it is to make something that's intended to be fun feel higher class if that makes sense. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'll get used to them. I think what's interesting. Um, I think that the TGL, uh, team names have the potential to be much, much worse than, <laughs> than any of the live names. Like I just saw the Atlanta drive golf club. Like, eh, I don't know about that one. We're, we're going to have to see how, how these other, names play out. I don't think the other franchises have it yet. So um, yeah, we'll have to see how that, that works out. Jay, pro golf critic, my good friend. I want to talk live, live, live. Now you and I have angered people because we've apparently not talked enough live on this podcast. And we've also angered people for talking too much, which I find quite amusing because how can I talk too much and not enough? But anyway, today is going to be live heavy, but also we're going to feature a little bit about the OWGR. Now, you are prone to giving a long answer because you are the pro golf critic. Give me one minute of how you feel about this OWGR decision. (laughs) There's one minute. You can see the timer. Go. Only a minute to talk about OWGR. It's a tough one. Um, you know, the, the good thing is I feel like I've talked pretty much – I've said everything about the OWGR that needs to be said at this point. Um, I wanted to see how uh, recent times uh, sort of sorted themselves out. I wanted to see what happened after the meetings in Scotland where Peter Dawson, the chairman of the, o- the OWGR, met with 
Yasser and others to just see what was going to happen. Um, I assumed that points were on the way. Clearly they are not. Um, and at this point, honestly, I'm totally done with the OWGR. I think that it's well-intended. Um, I think if you sort of uh, parse out Peter Dawson's statement, I think that he has a little bit of frustration with the process as well. Uh, that much is pretty clear. Um, and I do think that we're probably going to be moving into a, a period of time within the next year where the OWGR continues to become more and more obsolete. Um, and I do think that we're going to move away from it eventually. I think actually what you say there is really important. And actually, I, I couldn't agree more. I actually don't think Peter Dawson was happy. I think that was him saying he's not happy making this decision. I don't think he wanted that decision. He doesn't have a choice. There's a board. It's been voted on. And I actually think that he doesn't want that to be the decision made. I think he knows it's put the nail in the coffin. And for him to come out and admit that the rankings now don't work is a huge statement. And I think that's a CEO saying, I'm not happy with my board, but I've got to give this message. I uh, I deliver the decisions. I, I follow the, the, the voting of the board. And this is where we are. Um, I actually want to just say about the OWGR that I'm actually really disappointed in Trevor Mormon. I really like Trevor Mormon. I think he's a great commentator. I really like Trevor. But to come out with this absolute nonsense, if I was going to start a pro golf tour and I decided I wanted my tour to have world ranking points available for the players, I'd probably at the outset make sure that my tour did whatever the world ranking organization required in order to comply. It's It's fine. It's fine if you ignore that the OWGR's own page says, since our inception, the ranking has been continuously refined to take into account the ever-changing structure of the world of golf and suggestions from players and new tools alike. Trevor, we know that you're... I love Trevor Ullman. I love him. I've always been a fan of Trevor Ullman, fellow Saffer. And you love him more than I do. Yeah, well, uh, it's just a South African thing, isn't it? It's just this, this bond. Um, <laughs> Fair point. But for him to come out with that comment is showing his bias from his paymasters that require him to say that. He'd be better off just saying nothing because it just shows that he's either A, unable to understand that, which I don't think he is. He's a clever man. And I like Trevor. I've said this before. He's one of my favorite new commentators. I think he's great. And I also think that it's showing either that he doesn't understand it, which I just, that isn't the point. He's either ignoring it or doesn't understand it. And he knows it. And I, and I know you don't want to spend too long on OWGR, but that, I just want to point that one out. It just frustrates me. It frustrates me too. Like, that's one thing that I've – it's frustrated me about everybody that, that works at CBS, whether it's Jim Nance, whether it's Trevor Immelman, whether it's uh, Colt Nost, who you and I both know we've had run-ins with him over, over the last few months. I've not had a run-in. I like Colt. <laughs> you two keep flirting and pretending you don't like each other. <laughs> yeah, it's a story for another day. Um, no, but I, I do think that – uh, these little comments give you insights into these guys are the very typical company men of CBS, very typical company men of the golf establishment. They are going to do and say everything to make their bosses happy. And obviously this is part of it, the whole OWGR thing. And I was really glad to see Phil Mickelson chime in. And this has been sort of floating out there a bit 
is that the PGA Tour contract where uh, TV contract where they derive the majority of their revenue, it's directly tied into the OWGR and PGA Tour events having the most amount of top players that are ranked by the OWGR. This is a very complicated web when you start talking about the TV contract, the players on the PGA Tour, the live negotiations, negotiations with the PIF, tying in the OWGR to this whole thing. It's very easy to see how these things, like this is the reason why, you know, it seems like to me things are going to sort of probably go into 2024 with the negotiations because this is a very complex web of things that's being negotiated on a variety of fronts. So it's very frustrating to me that this is uh, going on the way that it is. It's not entirely surprising because the other thing I want people to keep in mind is the fact that even if Liv got points the way that things are structured now, it was not going to be fair and equitable. And basically Liv events would have equated to a lower tier, lower to mid tier European tour event. Um, And if you currently look at the OWGR rankings, there is not a single player within the top 50 of the OWGR that primarily plays on the European slash DP World Tour. Uh, Moroc just moved to 52, and this is going to be... There is one. There is one. Minwoo Lee. But besides that, that Minwoo Lee... Except Minwoo Lee, keep in mind... You know that everyone's just going to come piling into this. Minwoo Lee is the only one he's at 47. (laughs) People do have to keep in mind, Minwoo Lee has special temporary status on the PGA Tour... And that's actually how he got a lot of his points on the DP world tour at the moment this last year, but you're well, right. Well, except also keep in mind, he's also playing on the Asian tour this, this week instead of playing in Spain. So people need, need to keep an eye on that. That's another story too, that we're, we're going to get, we'll get to it. Don't worry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I just want everybody to keep in mind, like the whole thing with the OWGR, they changed their formula. And August 2022, it was going to take a full 18 months for all of the changes to uh, go into effect so that things sort of stabilize. We're looking at that happening around February of next year. Keep an eye on the top 50. Keep an eye on the, the top 100. It's only a matter of time before the entire top 50 is f- chock full of PGA Tour players. A lot of the live players are going to start falling down down the rankings. They already have. Um, I was looking at some of the rankings earlier, and they're just like totally comical how far people have fallen in, in a fairly short amount of time. Like Louis Oosthuizen is like down in like the mid three hundreds now. It's crazy. So um, OWGR is obviously totally obsolete. They need to change it from official to obsolete world golf rankings. Uh, we need to figure out a better system. Hopefully the majors come in and we're able to uh, sort of figure out pathways into the majors for, uh, the live players. I know Bryson was talking about it, um, in his preference, uh, press conference, talking about the top 12 on live potentially getting exemptions into, into the majors. And I posted this on Twitter. I was like, that's a pretty good option. Although honestly, 
Uh, it's probably underestimating the quality of players at Live, especially if Live winds up expanding to 60 players, which is something that seems like it's inevitable at this point for next year. 12 probably isn't even enough. It probably needs to be, be more than that, considering it was only 2022 PGA. Live, the current Live, <laughs> Live roster had 37 players. No, I completely agree. And I think that we are going to recover this. We've got so, we'll have so many conversations and we've got so many players coming on. I wish we could tell you all the names that are coming on, but let's just say we've got two people that have played in Ryder Cups in the last two years. We've got two coaches coming on. We've got an OEM vice president. We've got a load of people coming on the show in the next few weeks and months to, to discuss some of this stuff with us. And I think that one of the things we are going to be keen to discuss, I'm probably a a multiple time master winner, major winner, sorry, coming on at some point, hopefully to join us on the show, which is going to be superb. Now we will talk about that and you know, my thoughts and and the information I've been given is that it was going to be eight. The open was going to take eight people and plus, plus exemptions, which isn't 12, but look, we'll, we'll see what happened. Right. So we've done OWGR. We've done, we've done the majors. We'd, let's, I, we've done, we've done Trevor. Phil's been very vocal. Look, I, I love Phil and we're not going to get into too much detail on it, but if I have to pick a team, Trevor or Phil, I'm picking team Phil every day of the week. And I think that what people are trying, failing to understand is that I think Phil and Yasir and those that are behind what's happening at Live and Piff have probably anticipated some of this and the PGA tour and the old guard think they're ahead of the game. And Phil was so right when he said, you guys, we're playing chess over here. This is move six. Wait and see what move was it? 27 or 37 looks like it's going to be 30. Yeah. 30 plus. There's so much going on. And I think that while I am very pro PGA tour and I love the PGA tour, I'm also pro live. Um, I'm pro golf. I'm pro options. I'm pro choice. I'm pro having competition. And I think that's going to be good. And I know many people listening to this aren't interested in the TGL. I'm really interested to see how that works. I actually think it will probably be a good product, which probably doesn't do well. I actually think they're trying to go after an audience by doing this golf simulator that probably won't be interested. The golf purists probably won't want to watch it. I will enjoy it because it's golf and I love golf, but I think it probably won't do that great. Even though I think it will probably be a great product. Now I want to talk about, I want to talk about what your view is the schedule. So you and I've talked about the schedule. So just give everyone a guide of what's going to come for the rest of the day's show, because why wouldn't we do that? We've never done it like this before, but we're going to talk a bit about the schedule which then we're going to talk about some format. Then we're going to talk a bit about Greg and Phil. I've got a couple of takes on on Greg and Phil. And then we've got some stuff about the players, about the Koreans, about Wyndham Clark and Hovland and Cantley and Burns and Stracker and Finau and Connors and Scheffler and Minwoo Lee. I'm not <laughs> saying they're all going. I'm just saying we're going to discuss them. <laughs> then we're going to talk about Young Figala and uh, Keegan Bradley and the TGL. Um, we're going to talk about some of that, but I want you, Jay. Let's just go through the schedule again. We, we we've got to be we've got to be tykes. We've got a big show. So, what are your thoughts on on this schedule? Because I know I've had some strong opinions shared with you, and I feel they align. So, why don't you go from the top and say what your first couple of events you think are going to be and why? Yep. So, for the listeners, let's just confirm next year is going to be 14 events. It seems like that is pretty much set in stone at this point. It's going to be very minimal changes to the format, to the schedule uh, for next year, and in terms of total number of events. Uh, 
Now, when and where it kicks off, there's basically two options that I've seen floated out there. One is it could start in January in Australia. Uh, That was leaked, I want to say, maybe a month ago, uh, which is still a possibility. It would still be at the Grange in Adelaide. Obviously, there was kind of the headlining event of 2023. A lot of stuff going on there. It was a really successful event. Uh, January is actually a perfect time to probably do it. We'll have to see if that actually happens. Uh, the other option would be, and this is kind of what I've heard more recently. And again, this hasn't been signed, sealed and delivered yet, but, uh, the return to Mexico, to Mayacoba in February, 2024. So that event is a hundred percent scheduled. It's pretty much, I don't I don't want to put a Sharpie on it yet, but it seems like it's going to be the first weekend in February. Uh, Whether or not that's the first actual scheduled event is still yet to be uh, decided, but I expect to sort of know for sure in the next couple of weeks, I'd say. With the option of it being Australia is the possible first ever event, right? Yes, yes. And it makes, makes sense because... So many of the Australians are already going to be over there because, you know, Cam Smith is already committed to playing in the Australian Open. Uh, the Australian Open's obviously going to have a few other live players as well, which is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. So um, it would make sense to sort of have that. Um, January is sort of summertime in Australia. It seems like a good time to have it. Um, there's not a ton going on on the PGA tour schedule just yet. They're kind of warming up, uh, warming up the bus, if you will, at the PGA tour. So, I mean, um, having it in Australia is really great for, it's also really great for West coast viewing hours, which, which I really like. So we'll have to see how that pans out. But, uh, yeah, that, um, it looks like the season's going to start in either one of those two places. So at the Grange and Adelaide or Mayacoba in Mexico. Um, and then after that, uh, there is an, another event that's, that's pretty much, you know, penciled in at this point as well. Right after Mayacoba, it looks like we are going to move to Las Vegas, which is going to be a new no, spot. That is, on that is inked in. It's not, it's not penciled in. That one's inked in. We know that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, it's it's definitely uh, confirmed. I think the date is highly likely to be the weekend after Mexico. So we're talking Super Bowl weekend in Las Vegas, which is very interesting. Um, the venue, still not 100% certain. I've heard a few floated as possibilities, possibly the win. I've been, uh, I've been told where they've Wolf had. Creek. I've been told it's Wolf Creek. Oh really? Okay. Wolf Creek. I also heard possibly Southern Highlands, which is a uh, home course of Kevin Na too. But I'll go with Wolf Creek. That, that if, if it's like not, a, it's not. But two people, good, two good people point. told me okay. Wolf Creek. I I would been told it okay. wouldn't be the win because of a certain Mister Woods who designed it. <laughs> and it was either going to be that or Southern yeah. Highlands where Kevin Nahr plays. So we'll, should we put Wolf Creek or Southern Highlands? That we're, we're, I'm happy with that. All right, Wolf Pencil. I'll I'll take your I'll take your sources for their word. Let Let's go Wolf Wolf Pencil and Wolf Creek. Um, if I had a preference, I'd probably say Southern Highlands. But 
Uh, we'll, we'll go Wolf. Wolf Creek no, is Wolf very, Creek. very live TV though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never actually played there. I've seen a lot of pictures of it. You know, it definitely seems, seems, um, um, as our colleague, our colleague Mark says a bit livy, if you will. So it's, it's I do think that, to, that that's why we come on to the UK event, why that, why there's a switch. We, 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 we're very well informed. There's a switch. I told you about the switch. Or, oh, six weeks ago. For sure. And I was told not to say anything, yeah, but for sure. now someone else can leak it. We can happily <laughs> talk about it. Hey, it's public knowledge. They can't stop us. This is our podcast. They can't stop us. So we're forging ahead with all the information we have. Um, things will be confirmed officially here in, in the coming week, weeks anyway. But uh, <laughs> so after Vegas, uh, we moved to highly likely the return to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Live Golf Jetta, which is where they are playing this week. It looks like it's going to be moved up in the calendar to March. So, which is interesting because it's like the month after the Saudi International, which has been played on the Asian tour the, the past couple seasons, the European tour before that. Um, obviously, Royal Green says it's a very, like, it's becoming um, one of those courses in the world of golf that holds a lot of professional events, whether they be, you know, for the Ramco team series on the ladies European tour, uh, whether it be a live event, whether it be Asian tour, or European tour, uh, Royal greens is going to be a staple in global golf for the near future. Um, and no surprise March is, uh, it's going to be on the schedule in March. I do think that the, the weather's probably a little bit better in March. Yeah, yeah, I, than I, it is I, now. I, from what I've heard, I, I've I've worked I've worked in the Middle East. We discussed this before, and um, I'd much rather play golf in mid March. To be fair, I'm more than happy to play golf now um, in the Middle East. You wouldn't want to play. It, it's so hot late late April till till mid September. It's so hot, and you can get a real hot day. Like I believe, like Brian Ken sent me an email, a text message. That's um, James Pyatt's coach, what did he say? It was 190 on? It's 119 on the index here. So that's because that back end of September. So yeah, it will be around about 88 to 94, but a dry heat, a dry heat, so not humid, like late March. That's what it gets to in late March. Um, early April, it'd be sort of like the late, very late 80s, early 90s. So yeah, you're, yeah, a much, much better time of the year to have it, in my opinion. What have you got after Jeddah? Yeah, so after Jeddah, it looks like we are – this is where the schedule get, gets uh, – starts to get new new venues, uh, very interesting parts of the world. Looks like we are going to Hong Kong after that. Hong Kong Golf Club. Um, looks like it's going to be later in March. Um, Hong Kong is obviously a new addition to the live schedule. Um, very interesting. I heard that, um, Australia was bidding for a second live event and Hong Kong came in with an offer that live could not refuse. And, um, yeah, Hong Kong gets it. So, uh, it looks like it's going to be Hong Kong golf club. Um, I don't know a ton about uh, golf in Hong Kong, so I'm actually really interested to sort of get some, uh, some more information on it as things continue to come out. So that should be interesting. 
Are we off to Korea next? So, yeah, this is where uh, there's definitely two places that I think next it could go in the schedule. Um, And looking at what happened in 2023, I think it could sort of go to uh, one of two places. Obviously, Singapore is going to be back on the schedule. Um, Olivia signed a long-term agreement with Sentosa Golf Club and that whole resort there. So we had that April of last year. Um, I think it's going to be uh, in April again. The only question is, are they going to move the new event, the South Korean event? Are they going to put that right after Hong Kong? Or there's a chance it might be later in the year. So I'll be interested to get, get your take on that. Well, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but it's all about humidity, really. And you've got to be so careful, which is – which is why I think Australia makes sense up front for Australians being there, but it doesn't make sense up front for trying to split the calendar up. And we also know, um, we've also had it on very good authority that this time it will go Valderrama, week off, the Open, week off, Live UK, which is going to be held at JCB. And I can talk a bit about JCB, but if you want to know anything about JCB, go have a look at one of Rick Shields' videos. He's played there three or four times. Um, JCB is a fantastic course, um, absolutely amazing. A couple of my friends have played it. I was meant to play it. I was meant to play it three, four weeks ago, and I, I couldn't go. I couldn't attend it. I was gutted. But I'll, I'll play it again. I'll play it for sure soon. Um, but yeah, we know that we've got that gap and that spacing. So Valderrama, week off, open, week off live live uk at jcb so that's going to be interesting where that fits and we can do a bit of working back if we want week week 14 we know is going to be Dural for the for the team championship don't we or well it's going to be a team championship and we think it's going to be Dural, right yeah it's going to be south florida so they've uh, penciled in south florida i know that there's negotiations going on and there's obviously been some press about potentially moving away from Trump courses in this election year in the U S like I still, and for a variety of reasons, obviously live is uh, removing some barriers. Um, It looks like we've got, uh, you know, a fair amount of courses, fair amount of government um, entities bidding for (laughs) to host live, which, which I think is great. It's a great revenue stream for them. So it's definitely something that they have to pursue. Um, so I would love to see them keep Doral at the end of the season. I think Doral's a great course. It's a great match play course. It's just it's a historical venue in so many ways. Used to be on the PGA Tour for like almost 50 years. Um actually over 50 years. Um So I think that that's uh still up in the air. I mean, I've I've even heard some some ups, some unsubstantiated rumors about some other private courses that are in the South Florida area, some courses that maybe live players or members at, people like Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, um, and even one where Rory McIlroy is a member, believe it or not. So we'll have to see how that pans out. I think that that's unlikely, though. I do expect to see Doral stay on the schedule for next year, the team championship, but that one is still a little bit up in the air. 
so we, we we don't need to fit them into schedule so much. We know we've got South Korea. We know we've got um, we know we've got um, Singapore. We know we've got Valderrama. We know we've got um, JCB. So that still leaves. Yeah. So so let's go through the last few US ones before we. Are there are there, are there any others outside of the US that, that we've got there? So we got Mexico. Um, uh, two, three, four, five. Yeah, we've seven. we've hit them all. We've we've hit them all. I think. I think South Korea in like September time could be a, a really interesting time too. So that well, that's where I can well, maybe actually, that, see that, that, them that's going. What I think has happened with Jeddah. I think they've moved Jeddah up because of the weather there, and they can slip. They can slip South Korea into the back end of September, early October. Yeah, that's where I I, I kind of had South Korea penciled in to the second to last event kind of taking Jetta spot. Let's so, talk about that's for the American uh, event. Yeah, we, we'll we got we got California. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we we've got four US events that I haven't meant mentioned already. So there's going to be six in the US total. We've already talked about Vegas. We've already talked about South Florida. Now we have something that I've been talking about on the podcast for the last few weeks. Very excited. Live is highly likely coming to California uh, the week prior to the U.S. Open in June. Um, now, I had known that Liv had been scouting Southern California um, courses. I know that they had scouted Shady Canyon, which is in Orange County. Um, Liv has a couple members of that course. They've been scouting Trump Los Angeles. <laughs> Um, obviously with the move away from Trump venues, that wasn't going to happen. Most likely it seems like we are settling on Pelican Hill, which is in, uh, I guess that's considered Newport beach in orange County, which is about an hour South of LA proper. Uh, it's a coastal course, great views. It's never really had a big event to date. I think they've had like some silly season matches there and things like that, but nothing quite the the extent of a live event. So it seems like Pelican Hill is going to be the week before the U S open in June of next year. Good. Next one. Uh, The other three, I'm still trying to, trying to fit these into the schedule. I think that. Don't worry about the schedule. uh, I'll go with the easy one first. Because we we know things have changed. Let's just get these down. We've given everyone the start. They got a they got a hot start from us. <laughs> so we are returning to Greenbrier. Liv has a multi year contract with Greenbrier in West Virginia. Obviously, that's the site of where Bryson DeChambeau shot fifty eight. Uh, PJ Tour, of course, for a long time they are returning there. Don't have to say too much about that. Um, the other two are going to be in the Midwest, sort of southern Midwest of the United States. It's going to be Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And Liv is going to the state of Texas for the first time to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, in terms of courses in Dallas, um, I know this hasn't been signed, sealed, and delivered just yet, but it seems highly likely they're going to Marido Golf Club, which is a great course. It's held a few college events, some high-level amateur events as well. 
Um, it's all over YouTube if if you look look for it. It's it's a quality chorus. So I'd be really happy if they went to to Merido. There's a couple other alternatives in, in there too. But keeping my my fingers crossed. Is, is for Merido, Merido where is Merido where Scotty Scheffler plays? Um, let me just Google it. I'm pro- I'm probably wrong. I can't. You put me on the spot. I think he's a member some someplace else. So if I'm I'm. I'm not sure. I also know, obviously, Bryson is a, a member at actually a couple courses in Dallas area. Uh, so there are some alternatives. Except I know for a fact, Merida was was being was in negotiations. Again, these things are, are not final uh, finalized yet. They will likely be finalized here in the next. Oh, few so weeks. Jordan Spieth, Salatoris are um, both members there. Maradol Golf Club's become a haven for competitive golf, with Jordan Spieth, Will Zalatoris, Brandon Thornbury, and Lee Trevino among the membership of roughly 200 people. Um, Imagine being Will Zalatoris and turning down those guys are also- 20 million and then breaking your leg or breaking your back even. <laughs> well, hey, uh, you know... Is Zalatoris potentially? He realizes, hey, uh, his uh, sort of golfing mortality. Maybe he's looking for a little bit of a guaranteed contract for next year. So, have to see how that pans out. Right. Well, we've 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 done the we've done the we've done the schedule. We we're happy with that. So, what I want to just say is, and a lot of people want to criticize Greg Norman, and I've said this before. I don't think there's anyone. I don't think there's anyone in world golf who was designed better as a human to start live golf than Greg Norman. Greg Norman has been a visionary for world golf and wanted to have world golf for many, many years. But on top of that, Greg Norman has got the self-confidence and the strength of character to wear those slings and arrows of the buffoons that want to throw ridiculous comments to him and bring up the fact he missed a putt to win a major as if that somehow makes them better than him. I actually think that people should probably stop and just say, without Greg Norman and Phil, and obviously the money and his ear, but without Greg Norman and Phil, there would be no live. There would be no TGL that's coming. There would be no increased price purses. What Woods and McElroy and a few others should do is probably actually thank Greg and Phil for, for what's happened because we have we the only reason we have TGL and we have the increased PGA purses and and all of this is because of Greg and Phil. So I I just wanted to say that while I I'm obviously a fan of all golf and I am a fan of the PGA tour. I just think it's important that we just take a second just to appreciate while people might not like Greg, I do. I think Greg's great. And I speak to his son regularly. While I think that people not like Greg, they need to recognize that there are very few people in the world that could have done what Greg has done and what Phil is doing without having those personalities. Do you know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. Like that's something that's gone totally unsaid in the golf media, in the golf establishment at large. Um, and I've made these su- suggestions to a lot of people over the past year. Like there is a lot of resentment towards Greg Norman for whatever reason, like it was 
resentment towards Phil, obviously for the disruption, but it's like jealousy as well. At some point you, you get <laughs> that too. But at some point people need to like get over this stuff. Like I've had people come at me talking about things Greg Norman was doing 30 years ago. And it's like, first of all, I wasn't even watching golf 30 years ago. It's, it's like people need to just build a bridge and get over it. Like that's something people need to figure out on their own. I think that um, in order to build up live, like everybody knew all of the obstacles that were going to be put in their, their way, all the negativity, like all these things that they've had placed in front of them, all these barriers. And it was going to take, several people that that were uh frankly alphas that were gonna pull pull this off like could you imagine someone like jay monahan trying to pull off <laughs> pull this this off like pull off this coup or what? you say you talk about alpha. you know some other that's what you've got with bryson's an alpha dj's an alpha brooks is an alpha you it's, it's a sea of alphas this is uh, Patrick Reed, this is not coincidental. Like these are the guys that were willing to put their reputations on the line for something new. Yes, they were all paid very, very handsomely. But it's like I was just talking to somebody about about this on Twitter. If you offered those guys the amount of money they got for live, and you told them the catch was instead of playing golf, still you were never going to be able to play golf again. None of these guys would have went. So you can't say that it's all about the money. This was partially about about the money. Yes, I think the money was a very, very important thing in this whole whole deal. Obviously, you have to compensate people for the risk that they took to put their careers on the line. Like this is a big deal. Like, yes, everybody uh, needed to be compensated fairly. That being said, that is not the only reason why live came about. There are a lot of reasons Bryson and Phil, if you sit them down, they will tell you in detail, all the gripes that they've had with, with the PJ tour. And a lot of this is in the public domain, obviously now, whether it be on Twitter or various articles that have been in the media, the past couple of years, you know, I think that they had enough incentives in their mind where they wanted to break away from the PJ tour so that they were no longer under the sort of, you know, authoritarian leadership that the PJ Tour had um, over them, where they were basically uh, taking a cut. They, they were putting so many restrictions on their players that are still in place for the most part at the PJ Tour that they they wanted another option that gave them more freedom. Look, Live is giving them more freedom. We knew that. And because of what's happening, we've now got the TGL sort of doubling down, and I'm calling it the, I'm calling the TGL the PIP TGL because the PIP, as we know, is the Player Impact Program, which is designed to do this, that, and the other. Except they don't pay it out unless you stay on the PGA Tour, which I can understand. But don't promise people money, not give it them. <clears throat> I think is Bryson still owed like. Two and a half, three million of pit money. I think he is. He's owed. He's owed something for sure. Um, and I'm pretty sure Phil didn't get his pit money either. I'm pretty sure Phil's probably the most impactful player on the whole of Twitter. But that's besides the by. TGL came along. It was meant to be 16 people. They've increased it to what was it, 20 or 24? 
24 now. It's supposed to be 18. It's up, 18. Up to, uh, 24 now. 20, it's still 16. Now, I've said for five months, whatever it is at TGL, I said, mark my words, if you sign with TGL, there'll be something in the clause and the contract you cannot sign with Liv. I've had it confirmed to me by two different players that they've been told by players who sign those contracts that that's in there. If it isn't, there's nothing I can say. I've been told it. I don't disbelieve what I've been told that if you sign for TGL, you're not able to go and sign for Liv. That's part of it. And if you look down the names of the people that signed up for the TGL, it's a lot of people who've been very, very vocal about not going to Liv. And I think this is their reward for not going to Liv and to keep them from going to Liv is to give them some TGL money. And the same, I think, if you look at if you look at the three that they've just signed up, Cam Young, grumpy that he didn't go into the um, into the Ryder Cup. Let's give you some TGL money. The Gala, des- the PGA, PGA desperate, or sorry, PGA Tour desperate not to lose him because of his um, cross branding and overseas appeal for the overseas audience. Um, so they've given him some TGL money, and Keegan Bradley, who quite frankly, was one foot out the door if we were, what we're led to believe is true. And they give him some TGL money. So if it's true that you can't have any, T, if you can't go to TGL to live, if you've got any TGL money because the contract, that then leaves us some very interesting names that are yet to sign. So we know there are how many places left on TGL? How many? We've got five. We've like, we got five places five left. Places they have left. named nine, 19 players. Five places left. Here are the top players that aren't already on live that would possibly add some gas to live and on with TGL. We've got the two Koreans who, if you go back and listen to last week's show, I believe they'll be going. I've made it clear why I think they're going. I made it clear why they didn't go before. So you've got the two Koreans in Siwoo Kim and Sung JM. I think they will both go. I think they'll be part of the Ironheads. I think that is something that will happen. The Ironheads name might change. Who knows? But I think they will go. They are not signed up with TGL. If they sign up with TGL, take their names off the list. Wyndham Clark. You and I have both been told separately by two different people from two different sources that Wyndham Clark is likely to be leaving and going to live. It could all be nonsense, but it's very interesting that Wyndham Clark is not, current major champion is not on that TGL list. Very interesting. And it's also interesting that he's choosing, and I know that there's probably some appearance money probably in here as well. Instead of playing at the Shriners or, you know, other events here in the U.S., he is going to play in Spain next week um, at the uh, tournament in southern Spain in um, and, uh, Andalusia. Andalusia. So, Andalusia. V- Andalusia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sticking with the American pronunciation of that. I'm not, uh, not, not trying to be too fancy. But... No, I, I think th- those are things that are really interesting that, that people need to keep in mind. I think Wyndham Clark, um, uh, and uh, funny enough, uh, probably a couple weeks ago, right before the Ryder Cup, when uh, Wyndham Clark was talking about, you know, he was better than Rory McIlroy, and and like, uh, you know, that was kind of part of the media cycle. 
you know, I made a comment about how, you know, I was starting to get on the Wyndham Clark train. That had nothing to do with the sort of <laughs> the live rumors. So um, I think that uh, could be a really interesting addition. And look, whenever you're able to add major champions to your roster, like that is a huge branding opportunity for live. So it increases their uh, potential eyeballs and increases just their depth of field. It's another major winner like the uh, and he's got a pretty high world rank. I think he's uh I think he's probably still in the top 10. So, he's on on the cusp. He's pretty uh, pretty close. So, yep. We'll be happy to see potentially what happens with Wyndham Clark. On top of um, that, another name. Yeah, on top of that, yeah, that we we've got we've got a couple of big names we'll look at in a moment. But there's some interesting names in the likes of Corey Connors. Adds a bit of Canadian depth to it. We know. I don't. I don't think he will go. But Scotty Scheffler is not yet signed with TGL. Does that mean he's going? Um, Tony Fino. He said multiple times he's not going to go. But we've heard a lot of people say they're not going to go. Sam Burns. The one name I think that is worth, there's two names in, in European names I'm thinking interesting in looking at is, is Sepp Straka and Adrian Moronk. I really do think that, I really, really think that they would love in live to get another European team. I'm not saying the cliques haven't worked and the Majestics aren't working. I think the Majestics will work. I think they've got a great player in Sam Horsfield, but I think the cliques hasn't quite worked. And if I'm right that they're going to go to four, like 15 teams of four, there is definitely room for another European team. And I think Seb Stracker, Adrian Moronk make, make the ability to do that with a bit of reshuffling and the potential of the one man who his name hasn't been mentioned is Victor Hovland. No, I, I had Hovland penciled in sort of prior to... Uh, him sort of his uh, elevating himself later on in the year. Now I felt like Hovland, like I think that there's something people need, need to pay attention to the Oklahoma state connections that are um, currently on live. They have a very, very heavy uh, Oklahoma state presence. This isn't a coincidence. Part of the reason is, um, Oklahoma State golf is very, very big in the team golf. They are, uh, in terms of colleges here in the United States, they're probably the number one sort of college golf destination, even above places like Stanford and Texas and all those others. Um, Oklahoma State really, really, really goes into the team culture of golf. So it isn't a coincidence you have people like Charles Howell, who's an alum, Peter Uline, who's an alum, Eugenio Chikara, who's an alum, an alum like they've uh taylor gooch is another one like they they have a lot of oklahoma state players matthew wolf is another they already have i, th- I think five total if you add wyndham clark who um originally attended oklahoma state that would be six victor hovland would be potentially another that's seven uh like all, all of a sudden you could pay <laughs> you could potentially have two live teams that are entirely made up of oklahoma state players so um, I think that that's something people need to sort of keep an eye out for, that sort of Oklahoma State connection there. Uh, we'll have to see how that actually pans out. But 
it's def- definitely some, something to put on people's radar. And then we've got other, we've got other names on the list, like Sam Burns, um, who I think would be interesting. Patrick Cantlay, I'll tip our hat to Cat Patrick, obviously. I love the way that others' podcasts have kind of followed our, we said about the, about it, that this whole, why need, it was obvious he didn't want to get a hat, he didn't want to get what I call hat head because he didn't want to have the mark of his hat on his head for his wedding day. That's all it was. I just, just say it. Like I, I just say it. It's fine. But I think that it's just interesting to look at the players that aren't signed up yet. Looking at it, there is no way, if you've done any work with the Middle East, any of you, you know the Middle East and how they work, they will double down. If they feel they've been affronted, which they have been, and the OWGR has taken a piss, which we know they have done, they will double down. And they, they, will, add, they will add six players out of the two Koreans, Wyndham Clark, Glover, Kitayama, Herbert, Cam Davis, Aaron Ryan, Alex Noren, Corey Connors, Minwoo Lee, Tony Fino, Seb Stracker, Sam Burns, Adrian Ronk, Patrick Cantley, Hovland. They will add six or seven players out of there. And if they do, and the majors don't give automatic places, the majors are full asterisks. If you are winning a major, if you are winning a major without the top seven, eight players in live currently, plus six of Clark, Hovland, Cantley, Burns, Straka, Fino, Connors, Scheffler. I don't think Scott, Scotty goes, but Minwoo Lee, Corey Connors, Noren, the two Koreans, um, Wyndham Clark. I think you really struggle to claim you've won a proper major. You've just got too many players missing. Brooks, DJ, Bryson, like Taylor, Taylor Gooch, it's just ridiculous. No, it's, it's crazy. Like eventually, and this is a case that I've been make, making to people like, uh, you know, Phil said, you, you got to see a few steps. Ahead. You got to see a few steps ahead on this stuff. Like there are so, so many potential chess moves in this. The logical one to me that's coming next for live is expanding the 60 players, which would free up a lot more room to potentially sign and invest some more money in the product. Um, I, th- I think that, I mean, it's, it seems like that that's all but a guarantee at this point for 2024. We'll have to see again uh, if that, that pans out for sure. Um, I've got a couple other names that uh, you didn't mention there uh, that I, th- I think are strong possibilities. I've got, I've got a couple, I've got a couple uh, of DP world tour as well yeah. to look at, but, but go for it. Oh yeah. That's where I'm going. Okay. So I'll say a, a name and then you, you can confirm if it's on your list. Um, Ryan Fox. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he's, uh, you know, a New Zealander. I think that he he kind of got uh, passed over for the President's Cup last year. He's been mostly playing on uh, the European Tour. However, look, he's a global golfer. He is traveling the, the world playing golf. Um, I don't think he would have any problem going to live if there was a spot available for him. I think that there there will be. So I think he's an interesting one. Uh, one, I don't think that we've talked about just yet. He's, he's not a, a DP World Tour member, but he did win a very, very big event in the UK earlier this year. And that would be Brian Harmon. So obviously Brian Harmon, he was on the Ryder Cup team. He won the Open Championship. He has all of his major exemptions for the next five years minimum. Uh, is he a big name? No. Well, thing, um, is he one that I could see going? Yeah, it's interesting. 
he and Kiz are best, are very close. I know Kiz has been a little bit vocal about not going, but also, as I pointed out on one of our first ever podcasts, Kiz's tone changed on the last foreplay podcast about Liv, but more so about how badly they felt they'd been treated by the PGA Tour. Be law to us, be law to us, be law to us. And then they lied to us. I can't, the, the quotes out there, it, you, you can go and check what, what, what was said on the foreplay podcast. I, I, want, I actually think if you get Harmon, you get Kisner, you get them as a pair. One other name I want to throw out there. He was also very, very vocal in that initial meeting right after the merger. And there was that player meeting with Jay Monahan and Rory McIlroy where Rory and Grayson Murray almost came to, <laughs> came to blows. Um, I definitely got, got Grayson Murray in that matchup, by the way. Um, and I know a lot, a lot of people that, that would love to see Rory get, get punched in the face. Not saying I'm one of those people. I'm just saying that's out there. Um, in that meeting, there was a. I do not condone, I do not condone <laughs> any violence. Neither do I. I'm a lover, not not a fighter. Uh, but you you don't want to poke the bear. Trust me. Um, so uh, the other name that I have from that meeting that was very very vocal, surprisingly so, is Matt Kuchar. So Matt Kuchar has been um, obviously on the PJ Tour for twenty plus years. I was just reading an article where he committed to play in Spain alongside Wyndham Clark, uh, which I thought was really interesting. He was like, you know, he's played professionally 20 plus years, but he's never played in Spain. He was really looking forward to it. Just seems kind of random that he's playing in Spain now and he's never played there before. And he happens to be playing with one of the people that is very, very closely linked to live. So we'll have to see how that that work works out, but that would add to the depth. I'm not saying I'm not even a Matt Kuchar, Kuchar fan. I did he gained some of my respect when he stood up to the PJ Tour leadership structure at that players meeting. So shout out to him. It's been it's been widely reported that Victor had an absolute slanging shouting match at that meeting as well. That I didn't hear, but that that makes a lot of sense. It's been widely reported that the, the Victor lost the Victor lost it, that that he was so angry the way they're being treated. And look, I think the other thing, if you, if you want to be ta- look, I, I, there's, I've given Greg and Phil some praise, but they're also very as well as being strong characters. They're also very clever. If you want to win, you just go and raid. You just go and raid the top five or six players out of the DP World Tour. So, like, you just walk in there, and, and in my opinion, you just go and say, right. Let's go and take. Um, I think the Hoygaard brothers might not go because of the what would happen with it. But you can take out you can take out pace people like um, my brain's gone blank. Um, uh, like Guido Miglosi, Moronk, I think he's a fantastic obviously. young player. Sorry, Moronk. We already talked. Yeah, talked so about we, 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 already, we already said Moronk. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so. so I'd be taking. I'd try and get Yannick Paul out. I'd try and get because Yannick Paul would make a great European, great great Eastern European team. I apologise to any Germans. I say Eastern European, but you know what I mean. It's not the West of Europe. It's that the old Holy Roman Empire and East of that. So you can you can have Yannick Paul. He's in his late twenties. You can have a team of Yannick Paul, Adrian Moronk, um, Seb Straker, and pick one other person to to, to go with them. Hey, of Victor that, Perez. Um, 
I like um, maybe Vic, Victor Perez, maybe. Yeah, the Frenchman. Uh, yeah, but you, you you can you can go and just take out some of those players. You've even got a couple of the old, slightly older, uh, slightly older names that could go and do a couple of years, like like. Um, but if you're taking those names out of there, Sebastian Soderberg's a good player. He's Swiss as well. So you can take Sebastian Soderberg out, Swiss, sorry, Swedish. You can take him, put him with those three and make yourself a, a, a slightly different European team. I actually think that you can do that. Go and take six, seven players out of, out of there if you want to. So you've got 48 live players. We're probably going to lose three because of the relegation. Definitely going to lose two. You're going to get two back from the qualification. Um, from the international like series. Sounds like three yeah. from the qualification now and one from the international series. So Andy Ogletree is already scheduled to come back. Yeah. So you've got, so you've got, you've got to find 12 more. You can take maybe one or two out of the international series if you want to, or whatever that you want to do, go and get four or five out the PGA, go and get four or five out the DP world tour. And all of a sudden you cannot have any open major, whatever you want to, any of the majors, the opens where, they have a serious credibility without those players. Absolutely. Like that's one of the things that like over the course of time, you can see if the majors stand pat and don't make any changes and all of a sudden all of these players start to migrate over to live. It's like you lessen your championships. And look, I understand like what the, uh, the North star is with, the merger and if it goes through, which, which I still think that it will, it's going to take a little bit more time. And we've got this concept of, you know, a global sort of international series of maybe 20 events, some PGA tour, some DP world tour, some live. I still think that that's the, we're not going to really go in depth with, with that today. just an interest of time. Um, however, I do want everyone to sort of keep that in mind. 2025, if we can get this thing pushed through in the next X amount of months, there is this North Star of having this uh, sort of umbrella. I still think that they should not forget New Co, forget PJ Tour Enterprises. They need to call this the Umbrella Corporation. It would be perfect. So, <laughs> yeah, the umbrella. Call, you can call it Umbrella Corp. We're not going full zombie on this. <laughs> that, that's where, where I'm going. So I'm calling it Umbrella Corporation until they have, they officially uh, change it. So you've got this Umbrella Corp that's got the three entities within it. Most of those tournaments kind of stay the same. There's not a ton of changes. You pull out, let's say, 10... PJ tour events, you make them sort of part of this umbrella. You pull out maybe four live events that become these crossover events. And you pull out a handful of European tour DP world tour events. All of a sudden you got 18 to 20 events where you can have crossover between all of these tours. Like I do think that that is going to be the end game. And I think that the OWGR or Whatever ranking system that sort of comes out of this, because again, I, th I think the OWGR has already proven itself to be obsolete and it's probably not going to change anytime soon. This umbrella corporation can sort of break away with its own rankings and figure out, you know, how to put together the best fields of qualifiers, exemptions, yada, 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 and make that into some really compelling golf. 
So I think that that's where things are going. It's the only place that this can go that's going to like peak interest. Like people thinking that this is going to go back to 2019 golf. You need to prepare yourself that we are moving into a brand new period of time in professional golf. Nothing is going to stay the same moving forward. So you need to be prepared for all possibilities. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Pro Golf Critic on one, as always. Um, <laughs> look, I just want to close out by saying... Look, I'm passionate about this stuff. You I, already know that. I know you do. I want to close out by saying the next couple of weeks the podcast is going to be different. You might just get Jay and Mark. You might just get me and Jay. You might just get me and Mark. Jay's traveling. I'm traveling. Um, I'm going to try and get a couple of short little interviews in the can over the next um, five days. Then get tagged on the back of some... Um, episodes if I'm not able to join Um, so thank you everybody been a real pleasure cheers Jay all right thank you again and I will see everybody at live golf Miami at Trump Doral